The first week, Brian, our lead pastor, talked about a guy named David and how David was selfless and how we can celebrate that and really need to celebrate that because we want to have more of that in our lives. And then last week, our executive pastor, Chris, talked about a guy named Joseph and how Joseph was faithful and how we need to be faithful. This week, our handsome pastor... um, (laughs) See, we got you all on that one. Uh, we're we're going to talk about a guy named Paul, and we're going to talk about the idea of perseverance. Now, you might say, like, really, perseverance? Like, is that something that we need to celebrate or that we want to celebrate? Like, why are we going to talk about that? And, and here's the deal. All of us, we celebrate perseverance all the time. You think about it. How many books or movies or news stories have you heard or watched or seen or read of someone who pressed on through the pain? Right, because that's a simple definition of perseverance is they press on through the pain. You hear stories of Olympic athletes that, oh my goodness, they had all this obstacle and all these difficulties and they pressed on through that pain and now they're at the Olympics. Or you hear about that during different sports seasons when a guy comes up to the big leagues and they're like, oh, this guy had cancer and he pressed through that and he's cancer-free now and he's on this team. Or this guy had this difficulty or that difficulty. Because none of us have ever probably read a book or watched a movie about a guy who just gave up on everything, Right? Like, we don't celebrate that, but we want to celebrate perseverance because all of us, I believe, whether you are a follower of Jesus or this is your first time here and you're like, I don't really believe anything that you're going to talk about for the next however long you're going to talk, like, like you're welcome here and we love having people who follow Jesus and we love having people who don't even know who Jesus is or maybe are even resisting Jesus. Like, everybody's welcome here. And, And this is the thing, everyone here, I believe, we want more perseverance for ourselves but also for the people around us. Like, I want more perseverance for me because of what it will get me. Okay, like how many of you had a New Year's resolution? Okay, you're all embarrassed now because you're like, well, I mean, like had like past tense, like January 2nd I had one or like June 18th I have one, right? Like, like where people were, man, like I wish I could push through the pain more. And probably you started in a, a New Year's resolution. You're thinking, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop that. And then life happened. Things got difficult. And, and for whatever reason, you stopped doing that, right? And for some of us, it's meant like there, there was some pain and some difficulty, man, like things got difficult. So I gave up. So we want perseverance because of what it will get us. But also we want perseverance in the, the lives of people around us because of what it costs us. Like, whether it's a, a coworker who, for whatever reason, they always end up getting sick when a big project is due or when things get really busy at, at work, like, oh, yeah, so Justin's always taking time off right when we're entering our busy season. Or, or maybe it's a relationship or a coach or you play on a sports team and, like, hey, the other people on the team, they don't work as hard as I do. Like, if we start to get down and the other team is beating us, like, I feel like everybody else just gives up and I'm the only one who's really trying to win, or even, honestly, even more personal and more emotional is maybe even some of you, Father's Day is not a, a fun day for you because you had a father that you wish would have persevered, would have pushed through whatever emotional, relational, financial, whatever pain, and they would have stayed, but instead they left. Or maybe you're here and you don't have to be a dad to be in that situation. You're a dad or a mom, and you, you feel the guilt, the shame of, man, I was the one who gave up. I was the one who didn't push through the difficulty, push, press on through the pain. And whether you're here and you wish you had more perseverance or you wish the people around you had more perseverance, I believe we're all going to learn something because we all need to grow in this. And we want to celebrate it, and we'll see why we can celebrate it. The, the guy we're going to look at today is a guy named Paul. 
And he is, uh, I would say, like an expert on perseverance. And for any of us, if we want to learn about something, we generally want to go to an expert, right? Like, you want to go to the person who's been there, done that, they have the experience and the t-shirt, and they can tell you all about it. And Paul is a guy who, he even wrote to one of the guys that he mentored, a guy named Timothy. He wrote to this younger man, Timothy, and told Timothy in a letter to him that, Timothy, like, my time is coming to an end, and I have fought the good fight. I've run the race. Like, I've finished the course well. I've kept the faith. And whether you are a person of faith or not, all of us, I believe, can respect someone who's stuck to their convictions, their principles, their mission in life. Even if you may not agree with that mission or the principles, like someone who can stick true to what they said their whole life, like that's someone that we want to look at and learn from. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a letter that Paul wrote to a gathering of believers in a, a city called Galatia, and basically some of his wisdom on how and why we need to persevere and how and why we're able to persevere. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6 about perseverance. This is what Paul says, And let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. Now, if you look back to the top part of this verse, the very beginning of this verse, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. Now, why would he have to tell us to not get tired for doing good? Like, doesn't doing good energize you and just make you feel great because everybody else around you is doing good and everyone's doing good together? We're all moving in the same direction. No. Chances are, if your life is, is like mine or you know, like, you know people and doing the right thing is hard. Like, doing the right thing is going to cost you sometimes. And like, it's okay for me to take a shortcut, right? But it's not okay for you to take a shortcut because it could cost me. So when I do good things, when I do the right thing, it's going to cost me and it, it's exhausting. But we need to continue to do it. And why do we need to continue doing good? Like, why should we persevere? Why should we press on when things get difficult, when we experience pain, when we experience conflict, any kind of friction or difficulty? Why should we press on? Because at the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest. The proper time you reap a harvest. And the idea of a harvest, Paul is using this idea of a farmer planting seeds, and then you do all the work, and then you hope, you expect, like, there will be a harvest later. Now, I don't know virtually anything about gardening or planting things. Um, I thought, like, you just poke your finger in the dirt, drop a seed, cover it, and water it, and everything's going to grow. And then my wife, Rachel, is telling me, no, you got to pull weeds, you got to get fertilized, you got to do this. I'm like, it's a whole lot more expensive to grow your own green beans than to go buy your green beans, right? Like, <laughs> this is supposed to be fun. It's not fun. So he's saying, you are, right now, all of us, we are planting seeds in life, and we're going to reap a harvest. We're going to get a reward. We're going to get something later, whether it's good or bad. Sometimes people even refer to those as your kids, right? Like, if you're a terror as a child, your mom or dad probably said, I hope you have kids just like you. <laughs> you're like, well, I got them. <laughs> no, and here's the deal, too. Like, kids, man, we, we love kids. Obviously, like, we love kids here at Centerpoint, and we love your kids, and we want to be welcoming for kids and students and everyone, and we want everyone to be able to get something out of any time we have a teaching. So you, everyone's welcome in here. But when we look to the harvest, that will give us the strength to press on through the pain. 
So what is the harvest? What are you working towards? What are the goals? All of us have goals, right? And we talked about like New Year's resolutions. Back in January, December time, you were probably thinking of all the different goals you had, and then some of you are still, uh, you've achieved those goals. Some of you are still working on them. Some of you are thinking, okay, next year, right? It's like your sports team. Next year, we'll get it, right? And here, here's the deal. When you look at your goal and you focus on your goal, the pain oftentimes will seem smaller compared to your goal, if your goal is big enough. Okay, one of my goals when I was 14 uh, was uh, I wanted to earn my black belt. So my family, my, I'm the youngest of four. All four of us are black belts. We all did martial arts several years growing up. Uh, and it, it, I started when I was about 10. It takes about four years at the school that I was at to earn your black belt, right? So part of the black belt testing is you do a uh, mental thing, you do a review of everything you've learned, like basically the last four years, like these are like hours on your Saturday afternoon. And then the last one is a physical testing, okay? So it's literally like kick your butt, punch you in the face, beat you down testing. So you do a ton of push-ups, <clears throat> you do a ton of sit-ups, and then you're doing all different different exercises. You got to run a mile, right? And like 14-year-old Justin did not like running, and running did not like 14-year-old Justin, okay? Like to the point where I'm running, and they were like, okay, you got to get in front, so we all finish the run as a team. So like, okay, put the fat slow kid in the front so everyone else gets an easy run while we get back. We get back, okay, get a glass of water, drink real quick. Okay, now you got to get your sparring gear on. So you have your headgear, your mouth guard, your hands, your feet, your shin guards, and you're just fighting. And you have the people who are testing for their black belt, whether it's their first degree or they're getting a different you know, degree of black belt, and then you have all the black belts that come. And they are like the gauntlet that you have to fight through, basically, right? So we're fighting. and we're, I mean, literally, it's been like two, three hours. You're so tired. And I am fighting my older brother, Joel, who's already a black belt. And we're sparring, right? And we're going. And he, I want to say he got like a lucky kind of sucker punch. But the reality was he was just bigger and stronger than me at that point. Um, and he punched me in the stomach, right in the solar plexus. Knocks the wind right out of me. I'm like, uh, I can't breathe. I get over to the side. Like they stop, okay, I'm like, can't breathe, and I just start crying. Because I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like, I've been, like, working hard. I've been trying to run. I've been, like, all this stuff for hours. I'm exhausted. And one of the instructors, a man who, who mentored me in a lot of ways, came over. His name is David Salisbury, and he looks at me in the face. You know what he said? He said, Justin, a black belt's not that great. You should just give up now and go home, get a shower. <laughs> that would be, like, the worst pep talk of all time, right? Like, no, like... This is like a rah, rah, rah moment. Like, get back in there. And all he said, I could take you, I remember it crystal clear, I could take you right back to the exact spot where I was crying on the side. And he comes over to me, he just looks at me, he says, I know it hurts. We don't need to see the tears. You need to get back in and finish the fight. Like, the goal of earning a black belt is greater than the pain you feel right now. And for a lot of us, what happens is we allow today's pain to rob us of tomorrow's reward, tomorrow's harvest. And what Paul is saying to this gathering in Galatia, but also I think to us, is he's saying, don't give up. Like, don't give up in doing good. Like, yeah, I get it. No one else in your workplace, no one else in your school, no one else in your class, no one else on your team, no one else in your house is doing the right thing. Everyone else is doing the wrong thing. Literally, they all want to do the wrong thing, but you can do good. You can continue to press on through the pain. Because when you have the perspective of eternity, the pain you feel right now may not be that big. Like when you look 
to forever and ever. Like, if this life is just a setup for the next life, that when we die, there's actually something we go on to. Like, this life matters. And then any pain that I feel or experience, like, it's producing something in me, and it's working towards something. I may not know what it is, but it's working towards something. It's just like when you run, like 14-year-old Justin did not like running, but then later in my 20s, uh, Rachel, my wife, and I, we started running, and we were training for our first race. And we're running all these hills and stuff, and we, we're going up this hill. And because of, like, my background and my personality, like, I like a challenge, right? Like, we run up this hill, and it's hard, and I'm tired, and she's tired. And I look at her, I go, say, that was easy. She's like, shut up. Like, leave me alone. Like, I, I, like, I looked at challenges. Like, man, we run up this hill. We go really far. It's really difficult. Like, man, like, this is exciting. Like, we just did it. And she's just like, I am just going to be like, like the tortoise wins the race, not the hare. Not saying my wife's slow, okay? <laughs> not saying that. She just was like, I'm not excited about running up hills. I'm not excited about the, the difficulty of the run. And if you exercise at all, you know, or honestly, like, all of us know about exercise, right? Whether we do it or not, that's a different story, but we all basically know about exercise. If your exercise is really easy, and you don't break a sweat, and, like, you're not sore, like, you're not doing it right, right? Like, you need to work, you need to be sore, you need to have a little bit of pain, and when you know that pain is a good thing is because you know what it's going to produce later, in the same way, the pain that you and I experience in our everyday life, when we know that's a good thing, is when we realize what it's producing later is a good thing. And actually, the people who, the men who wrote the Bible as directed by God to write the scriptures and the letters to the believers, like, these guys got that. And it's why you see them write strange things, like a guy named James, who went through all sorts of difficulty and pain, he wrote to a group of believers, and he said, you can count it all joy when you experience trials, difficulties, pain. Like you count all joy, like you can be glad about it because it's producing something in you. Or Paul, the guy we're looking at even, he wrote to a church in Rome, in the book of Romans chapter five, he even talks about how we glory in our sufferings. Like we count it such a good thing because of our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Like, the pain, the suffering, you can count it as a good thing when you know it's producing something in you. No matter what it is, if, if it's a physical exercise, I'm working hard, or, or even you saw the musicians up here, like, if you're playing an instrument, like, you know, there's a point, like, especially with guitar, your fingers are getting callous, there's pain. If you're playing different instruments, like, there's a point where you go, emotional, physical, whatever, I am just exhausted, but this pain, this difficulty is good. Because producing something in me. Now, I will say, this doesn't make sense at all if you would say there's nothing after death. Like, if you're here, and you're so welcome to be here, but if you're here and you say, like, Justin, I think, like, we just die, you put me in the ground, that's all there is. Like, if that's you, keep coming back. Like, you're so, we love having you here, we're all about having you here. But if you believe that, like, pressing through the pain, like, perseverance really doesn't make any sense. Like, you really should avoid pain at all costs. Like, any uh, relationship that's getting difficult, you should just back out and leave because, hey, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, so I need to make the most out of today, and I can't deal with this drama today. Whether it's relational or workplace or even, like, physical, like, exercising, anything like that, like, you should just run away from any pain because you're not working to produce anything long-term because you, you really, it's here and now. But, like, what if it's not just about the here and now? 
What if this life is really a setup for the life to come? Like, what if what you're doing now matters and could impact later? And not even, like, eternity forever after death, but even just, like, with your family, with your life right now. And not just if you're a parent. Like, even if you're a student in here, like, the choices you're making right now are going to shape your family in the future. They're going to shape your life in the future. So the things we do now matter because it impacts later because all of us, all of us are producing some kind of harvest. And you look back to Paul, and even this guy Paul, he's acknowledging like, hey, it's difficult, but we're glad we're suffering. Like this is not a guy who had it easy. Like, this is a guy, as I mentioned, he was beaten, he was wrongly accused, he was arrested, he was put on trial, he was threatened his life, people tried to kill him multiple times, he was shipwrecked, bit by a snake. Like, he went through it. His life was not easy. But even the reason he was able to look to the end as his goal was because he met a guy named Jesus. See, before he met Jesus, he was actually named Saul, and he would go all over trying to arrest and destroy, basically trying to snuff out Christianity. Like these people are following this teacher, Jesus, who they claim died and came back to life, and that goes against the whole religious establishment that I spent my whole life working towards. So I'm going to go around and basically try to kill that whole group of people. And he's on his way to go beat and arrest more Christians when he's on the road and Jesus shows up, kicks him off his donkey, onto his donkey, and then talks to him about, some of you will get that donkey comment in a little bit. <laughs> some of you are still like, he got on his donkey? Like, but he met Jesus and that changed his entire perspective, his entire goal in life. And it wasn't simply the fact that he had faith. It was because of who he had faith in. When we follow scriptures, when we follow Jesus, it's not the idea of a religious system and that we're working. It's the belief in a person, that Jesus was a real, live person who came to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, died in our place, and rose to life three days later and had literally hundreds of eyewitnesses, people who saw him. Paul was one of those people. That's why Paul's entire life changed. And for so many of us, like, if we haven't met Jesus, like, if we don't know who Jesus is, a lot of what we're talking about here doesn't make any sense at all. And you feel like, this is just crazy. And that's where we got to start with, this is who Jesus is. And this is why, when we know who Jesus is, this gives us the ability to press on through pain because of the harvest that's coming. And this is even what Paul said to a different church. And this is, this is crazy, and this is real life. Like, this is him writing with honesty, with openness. He even says in 2 Corinthians, there's a church in the city of Corinth, this is what he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving in us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now you think about that. Paul is a guy, and he even acknowledges our outward bodies are wasting away. His body literally bore the scars of the sufferings he encountered. Like, I I don't know your background, you don't know my background, but chances are for most of us in this room, we don't have actual scars of people beating us because we follow Jesus. Now, for a lot of us, we have other kinds of scars, We have emotional scars. Some of us do have physical scars. But we can recognize outwardly our bodies are wasting away. 
every single one of us, doesn't matter if you're in teenage years and you're in high school or you are a grandparent, and you're like all of us are moving closer to our outward body wasting away, but the inward body, that's why he's not losing heart. Because inwardly we're being renewed. And this is the crazy part. When you think about the pain, the struggle, the, the difficulties Paul went through, this is where it's crazy. The second part of this verse, it says, for our light and momentary troubles. Like, really, like, if, if I told you people tried to kill me this week just because I was a Christian, like, would you call that light and momentary? You're like, yeah, that's no big deal. It happened to me too. Not a big deal. No, like, that, that's huge, right? Like, some of us are like, oh, my goodness, someone cut me off on the way to church, and they had another church sticker on their car, and that, oh, my, like, life is over. Like, no. Like, that's nothing. Like, like, when you hear Paul's, like, what happened to him, and he calls that light and momentary, that shows that his perspective is on eternity, and it also shows you how good eternity can be. Now, you don't know me, I don't know you, I'm not calling your current struggles, your current pain, I'm not calling it light or momentary. Because for you, like your world could be collapsing right now. And what happens is, like some Christians, and some people, like this is what turns us off of Christianity, right? Is some Christians will come and in the midst of your pain, I lead in with a verse like this, right? I just go up and say, hey, Justin, well, I mean, I know this is all bad and they died or they left or that fell apart, but like this is light and momentary, Right? <laughs> Amen, hallelujah, I'm going to punch you in the face, right? Like, like and this is, a, this is reality, is all of us go through struggles, all of us go through pain, whether it is a struggle and a pain of, man, I'm working so hard to learn and get a good grade in this class, and it's not happening. Like, I'm struggling, I'm working, like, nobody else has to study as much as I do, and I have to study and work hard, and it's, it's not working or like school is just really hard whether it's high school middle school college like like this is so difficult all of us are going through difficulties and your difficulties don't measure up to mine but mine don't measure up to yours each one of us have has a unique set of situations and difficulties that we're working through but all of us have the same savior who is jesus that can walk us through it and, and this is the thing about pressing through pain of persevering is we're much better together. And there's, there's two things to make this really simple for all of us, to be able to help each other and to press through the pain. Is first, it would be make your situation known. Like, you need to tell somebody about your situation. It might be me, it might be the person sitting next to you, it might be someone else that comes to mind right now, but you need to talk about it because we are designed, and if you are a follower of Jesus, we're even like called, like told to, like we need to bear each other's burdens. We need to help each other out, right? Like, and this is the thing that's so beautiful is like with our, our community groups that we have where we have adults like 8 to 12 or 14 adults meeting in community with each other, the, the great thing is like these groups of people can help each other meet each other's needs, right? Like I've seen that in my group. Now my group, like we're not all perfect, right? We're all messed up in some way or the other except for my wife. She's perfect, but um, <laughs> come on. Uh, but here's the deal. Like someone goes through difficulty, and other people in the group, because they have the same belief in a person of Jesus, they're willing to step up and meet the need of somebody else in the group. 
And it's not like we had to stand up and say, okay, so who's going to do this? No, you just, it's a natural outcome of a love for Jesus. It means you're going to love the people that you're in community with. And if you're not part of a community group, you need to get part of a community group. We need to figure out a way to get everyone in groups because when we're with each other, we can help each other press through pain. We can help each other change and do the good things that we're supposed to do. We can give each other energy to continue doing what we ought to do so we can reap a harvest. The second thing first was making your situation known, telling somebody. The second thing would be simply you just need to stay. Like I, I don't know what it is for you, where you need to stay, what you need to stay about, but like, like you just need to stay. Like you don't need to pack your bags and take a break from your marriage. Like, you need to stay. You need to figure it out. You need to work through. You need counseling, right? Like all of us need counseling. It helps us process pain. It helps us work through situations we're involved in. So you need to stay. And again, staying could be something big and enormous, like you need to stay in your marriage. Some of us, hey, man, you just, you just need to stay through this difficult season of the sports team you're on. <laughs> like, and, and, and this thing, you laugh at this, but remember back to when you were 14 or 15 or 16, and you're like, man, this is so hard. This is so difficult. I don't think I can keep doing this. And if you're a student in here and you're experiencing that, like, you need to stay. You need to press through the pain because that's going to help you have the right habits, the right attitude, the right perspective in life. You need to stay. You need to continue doing the good things you need to do because there's a harvest. And if you do good things, you'll have a good harvest. If you do bad things, chances are you're going to have a bad harvest. What you plant is what you're going to grow. So plant good things, encourage each other, help each other to plant good things. And anytime we're looking at a situation where we could persevere, we could press on through the pain, or we could give up, we just need to ask ourselves a simple question of what hangs in the balance? Like, like, if I choose to give up, what am I giving up ultimately? And if I choose to persevere, to press on through this pain, what am I going to achieve or what reward am I going to get ultimately? And now, imagine with me, you personally in your life, if you would stop giving up, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, if you would say, hey, I'm not giving up anymore. Like, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to press on through the pain. I'm going to talk to people about this. They can help me. I'm going to stay in the situation. Like, if you press on through the pain, and you say, man, I'm going to do this, like, how would your life change? How would your, your workplace change? Maybe you're in, in a workplace, where you go, man, this is toxic, I can't handle this, this is not good, but, but imagine if you stay there, and you continue doing the good things you ought to do, and you can persevere through the pain, imagine the harvest that God would give you in that situation. Maybe your entire workplace changes. Maybe you are a catalyst for change and growth in people's lives all around you. You had no idea that you had the capacity to do it, but because you stayed and you didn't give up and run off, you can see the harvest. So many of us, we're so close to seeing a harvest, and we give up. So in your life, if you said, no, I'm going to stay, I'm not giving up anymore, I'm going to stay completely. But also, what about your family? What about our gathering? Like, imagine if all the families and individuals in our gathering, imagine if we, as a gathering, said we are not going to give up. We're not going to stop when something gets difficult. We're not going to go just to the easy. We're going to go for what we need to do, the good things. And we're gonna, not going to stop until these horrible atrocities that happen in our city, in our community, homelessness, sex trafficking, whatever it may be. Like, we're not going to rest. We're not going to stop until it's all gone. Like, do you believe we could change our city? 
Like, I, I believe if we stopped giving up, if we stopped going for what was easy and we went for what was good and right, we could change our entire city. So when you have the opportunity, do good. When you have the opportunity to give up, don't. When you have the opportunity to leave, stay. Now, I will say, and this is an important note to say about the staying part, is if you're in an abusive, unhealthy relationship, you don't need to stay in that. You need to get out. Like, this is not a call to say, just keep taking whatever they're doing to you and just persevere. And you can, That's not all right. What's happening in that abusive, horrible situation is wicked and sinful, and they should be brought to justice. So you get out of that situation. But to be honest, most of our situations are just difficult for us. So we can stay. We can talk to other people. And the reason we're able to persevere, and even the reason we're able to celebrate perseverance and suffering is because we have someone who showed us how to do that, who's Jesus. He persevered. He suffered and persevered for every one of us. If you look through scriptures, the account of Jesus' life, what he did is he came to earth to live a perfect, sinless life. He's God in the flesh. He's God and man, and he lives a perfect, sinless life, a life none of us could live. And then because we couldn't live that life, we owe a punishment, which is death. But instead, he stepped in our place and took that punishment for himself. And even before he did that, he's by himself praying, and he asks God, please take this away from me. If there's any other way, if we can win back, if we can redeem, if we can buy back all of humanity any other way, can we do it a different way? And the answer was, this is the way. And because this is the way, Jesus is the way. He died for us. He took our sin, our punishment on himself to, to be able to offer us forgiveness, to offer us freedom. So now we can persevere because Jesus persevered. Jesus pressed through the pain of death for us so we don't have to. Jesus took our punishment on himself so now we don't have to. And some of you here, this may be the very first time you've heard about a loving God who loves you and created you and actually bought you back for himself through his death but also his resurrected, resurrection coming back to life and that blows your mind. You think, how in the world could I ever win the favor of that God? You already have. He calls you to himself, and he wants to have a relationship with you through faith in Jesus. See, Jesus took your pain and your punishment, so you don't have to, but you still have the option where you can take your pain and your punishment. You can be punished for what you've done, just like I can be punished for what I've done. But if you place your faith and trust in Jesus and say, no, what Jesus did is enough, then it is enough. And you don't have to worry about what God thinks about you. And, and even back to the idea of pain being light and momentary, when you look at the ultimate thing that would be bad for you or me is to be forever separated from God, like that's the worst thing that could ever happen. And Jesus totally took that away through his death and resurrection. Now, is there anything else in life, as painful and as horrible and as ugly as it is, is there anything else that could compare to that? And that's why we can press through the pain is because Jesus pressed through the pain for us. And you can allow what he did on the cross to be enough for you just by simply trusting him. By acknowledging that what you've done has earned you a punishment, but Jesus took your punishment. And that you have a restored relationship with God. And that is something we want to celebrate 
big here. Man, we want to clap and cheer and all sorts of fun stuff for you because we know how big of a deal it is. So if you're here and you say, Justin, like, this sounds too good to be true, like, it is too good to be true. But it's true. If you say, Justin, like, I want that. We have an info center with information. I'll be here. Like, we want to talk to you. We want to start this conversation where you can say yes to Jesus and follow God, a God who loves you and is taking your punishment. If you would just pray for, with me for a minute, we'll, we'll close for today. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you took our punishment, that you pressed through the pain on our behalf so we don't have to. And God, I pray for strength for all of us that we would be able to persevere to press through the pain through the difficulty like you did. God, that we'd be able to continue to do the good things. And God, for the people who are here who are uh, honestly, God, still investigating or still have questions or, or even completely uh, disagree. God, we are grateful that you, God, that you brought them here today. And we ask that we would just continue to be welcoming to them and that they would enjoy uh, their time with us and that we would be able to have questions and answers about you and interact with that conversation. God, we love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.